You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. Iranian wannabes successfully used Dharma ransomware against soft targets. Sour Mint hid an ad fraud and info-stealing package in an SDK. A former U.S. Army officer and sometime government contractor is charged with working for the GRU. Darkside ransomware rises as affiliates go into business on their own. Awais Rashid from the University of Bristol on aligning cybersecurity metrics with business goals. Rick Howard talks data loss prevention with members of the hash table. And copycat DDoS extortionists pretend to be who else? Fancy Bear. From the CyberWire studios at Data Tribe, I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Monday, August 24th, 2020. Group IB reports that a new and inexperienced group of hackers from Iran are using Dharma ransomware against easily attacked businesses in Russia, India, China, and Japan. They're greeners in Group IB's description, and Bleeping Computer calls them low-skilled, using commodity tools and well-worn approaches, but they've been successful nonetheless. They use MassScan to look for organizations with internet-facing RDP and weak credentials. Again, Group IB thinks they're a collection of noobs buying ransomware as a service to grab the easy pickings indifferently protected enterprises offer even noobs, grifters, and skids. The group's emergence is noteworthy, Group IB thinks, because it suggests that Iran, like other aggressive cyber powers, now harbors an underworld of financially motivated cyber criminals. Russian cyber gangs have long operated at the sufferance and under the close scrutiny of the security services. Chinese government hackers are widely believed to be allowed to moonlight with some cybercrime after the factory whistle blows, but this is a relatively new development for Iran. Sneak has identified malicious code in the Mintegral Software Development Kit, an SDK widely used by applications in Apple's App Store. The Sour Mint malware is adapted to ad fraud and data collection. Mintegral is a mobile advertising platform based in China. Developers sign up as publishers and download the SDK from Mintegral. The SDK injects code into standard iOS functions within the application it's used to develop. 
The malicious code executes when the application opens a URL. At that point, the malware has access to what Sneak describes as a significant amount of data and even potentially private user information. Sour Mint includes various anti-debugging protections that Sneak believes are designed to cloak the application's behavior. This evasiveness may have helped the SDK pass Apple's review process without being flagged. A former U.S. Army officer, Peter Raphael Zabinski-Debbins, has been charged with conspiracy to gather or deliver defensive information to aid a foreign government. The indictment alleges that Mr. Debbins worked for Russia's GRU between 1997 and 2011. After leaving the Army in 2011, Mr. Debbins worked for several government contractors, the Washington Post reports, but the indictment is confined to his period of military service. The very detailed indictment suggests that a lot of sources contributed to the investigation, and the Justice Department's press release makes a point of thanking the United Kingdom's Metropolitan Police and MI5. Mr. Debbins, who is of course entitled to the presumption of innocence, allegedly first contacted Russian intelligence services while he was still an undergraduate at the University of Minnesota, two years before he was commissioned. He's also alleged to have traveled to Russia several times, to have been in and out of hot water for security issues while on active duty with the U.S. Army, and to have married a Russian citizen, hometown Chelyabinsk of Meteor Fireball fame, whose father was a Russian officer. Unless there's been some long-running attention to an exploitation of Mr. Debbins by U.S. counterintelligence and intelligence organizations, one wonders what one would have to do to attract security managers' attention. Fire flares and holler, I'm working for the GRU, through a bullhorn? Allegedly, of course. And here's some research by press release a cyber gang that says it's composed of former affiliates who've already made a pile through extortion, has announced that it's now working its own strain of ransomware, which it calls DarkSide. According to Bleeping Computer, the gang's press release says, quote, We are a new product on the market, but that does not mean that we have no experience and we came from nowhere. We received millions of dollars profit by partnering with other well-known crypto lockers, we created DarkSide because we couldn't find the perfect product for us. Now we have it. End quote. So there you go. It's like an ad announcing a new brand of razors. We always appreciate a good shave and wish we could find the right blades, and so on. The DarkSide gang says it won't hit healthcare organizations, specifically hospitals or hospices, schools or universities, not-for-profits, and government organizations. This, they say, is an expression of their principles— but unless those principles are self-interest and calculation of criminal marketing, one is reluctantly moved to skepticism. Forbes reminds its readers that Mays and Doppelpamer made similar promises back in the early days of the pandemic, but those really didn't stand the test of time. There's more. They say they select their victims with discrimination and price their extortion demands accordingly. They want their targets able to pay, not bankrupt or defiant. They promise to provide a fully effective decryptor upon payment and also to destroy the data they've taken. As is now the norm with ransomware, DarkSide steals data before encrypting them. We take our reputation very seriously, say the hoods, and if they're paid in full, you can count on them. All guarantees will be fulfilled. The gang has been active for a couple of weeks and they appear to have secured at least one million dollar score. 
And finally, remember those scareware screens that used to pop up from time to time, telling you that the FBI was on to you and that you could settle the matter by paying your fine right now, cash on the virtual barrel head? There's a new name in this low-grade grift. It's occurred to someone that since Fancy Bear is in the news, why not go with that? Anywho, security firms Akamai and Link11 independently report that since mid-August, these characters are sending extortion emails with subject lines like DDoS attacks on your network? Coming from, guess who? Fancy Bear herself. Akamai, who called the crooks copycats, says they've also impersonated the Armada Collective. Unlike the we're from the FBI stuff, which were best simply ignored, there does appear to be some risk of an actual denial of service attack, so be on your guard accordingly. But Fancy Bear? Not likely. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use. With zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications, so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. And joining me once again is Rick Howard. He is the CyberWire's chief analyst, also our chief security officer. Rick, always great to have you back. Thank you, sir. Uh, you have uh, another episode of your CSO Perspectives podcast, and uh, this time uh, you're talking about data loss prevention again, but you brought a bunch of CISOs to the hash table this week, uh, going to be talking about data loss prevention. I guess uh, going to be talking about a lot of tools, yeah, we, you know, when you ever talk about DLP, which is the big acronym it's so for those in the know, Dave, so, you know, when you talk about it. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. All the cool kids are using them. Yeah, yeah, all the cool kids, right? So tools obviously came up, and what we discovered is that the typical vendor-supplied DLP tool, uh, you kind of get these features, all right? Rule-based matching, like, you know, looking for social security numbers as network traffic traverses your networks. 
Hmm. So social security numbers or PII, things like that. Uh, you get fingerprinting or looking for user-supplied structured data. So if you have something specific in your organization, uh, you tell the tool what to look for and it finds it. Mm -hmm. uh, you get file name matching, okay, which is anything you might think is material to the business. You can give it actual names. <laughs> right. Here's, here's the spreadsheet with every with our payroll. With, that's right, with our super <laughs> yeah. secret recipe for Coke recipe, right? So, right, yeah. okay. Yeah, <laughs> Got it? Yeah. Uh, yep. and, uh, and more and more machine learning to identify unknown uh, sensitive data. And for what they do, they're pretty good at the traditional perimeter protection, like, you know, web traffic and email. Uh, but check your vendor before you buy, because make sure they cover your other data islands like SaaS and hybrid cloud deployments and even your employees' uh, devices, both company-provided and personal. Well, okay, so what part do things like encryption play in this, things like that and, and deception, those kinds of things? We did talk about those tools, and the consensus was that most people think that encryption is the most important, but uh, what the CISOs brought to the hash table was they don't solve all of your data loss problems, but for your material data, it's probably the most effective. Mm -hmm. And then for deception, the commercial market has definitely made it easier to deploy these kinds of things. But all of our CISOs this week said that they would not tackle deception as a key plank in their InfoSec program until they got a handle on some of the more important strategies like intrusion kill chains and zero trust and resilience. The one tool that popped up that I wasn't aware of before is something called UEBA tools or hmm. User and Entity Behavioral Analytics. Have you heard of that hmm. before? Go on. <laughs> well, I'm not smart enough to explain it. So uh, here is <laughs> here's Don Capelli. She's the Rockwell Automation CISO explaining what these tools do. So UEBA is User and Entity Behavioral Analytics. Um, basically, it's, it's a tool that you can bring in diverse data sources and integrate them together. Sort of on the order of a SIM, but it's people-based um, or entity-based. So you can go in to Don Capelli and look at all of my activity from all of these various logs. And you can bring in contextual data about the person or about the organization. So for instance, um, if my termination date, if I have a termination date set, that greatly increases my insider risk. And so the risk models once they see a termination date set, it increases my risk score, especially if there's any suspicious activity associated with me. You also can build watch lists. Um, if you have um, something happening in your organization, like a reduction in force, you can integrate that into those risk models. So it's a very comprehensive technology for an insider risk program. All right. Well, that, that is interesting indeed. Um, so what happens from the vendor's point of view? How are they delivering these sorts of things? So like other security services, you can get these UEBA, and I, I slow down to say that acronym, uh, either on-prem devices or from SaaS providers. Uh, but what's mm -hmm. interesting is the market for UEBA tools has been shifting these past few years. More and more, you're starting to see the functionality of UEBA end up in SIM vendors, which I think is interesting. What are the implications of that? It just means that uh, for something we thought was going to be a you know standalone tool, 
the bigger tools like Sims, and I'm guessing you're going to see it pop up in Soar also, all right, that it's just going to be sucked up into those bigger platforms as a, as a feature and not just a point product that you buy. Hmm. All right, interesting stuff. Well, uh, you can check out the entire episode of CSO Perspectives. Head on over to thecyberwire.com. Rick Howard, thanks for joining us. Thank you, sir. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And I'm pleased to be joined once again by Professor Awais Rashid. He's a professor of cybersecurity at Bristol University. Awais, uh, it's great to have you back. Um, you know, it, it seems to me like quite often there's a little bit of tension between cybersecurity uh, and the goals of a business. You know, you want you want to have as little friction as possible, but things need to be secure as well. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? So, you know, there is the old cliche that, you know, the security investment, uh, if, if there are no uh, no attacks, then does that mean that you are not going to face any attacks anyway? Or that the security investment actually made sure that those attacks couldn't couldn't take place. So, so the the key challenge with regards to security tends to be uh, the investment in security is not always visible in terms of business benefits. So, while while a, a regular product can make the case that you know this will, for example, bring in an investment in that product will bring in a tenfold increase in in revenue, that is not something that security has been able to do. I think the other other challenge comes from the fact is that a lot of the security metrics that we use are very, very low level. So we we often talk about, you know, sort of, for example, uh, the number of uh, viruses detected, the number of, uh, you know, potential malicious scans and and things like that. And when we are talking about security for an organization, they don't always easily translate into those kind of top level uh, strategic goals and how do they relate to them. So, for example, you know, if you, if you had uh, 1,000, viruses detected. What does that mean overall in terms of business strategy and business goals? And I think one of the key things is that work needs to be done to try and understand what the overall business objectives are and how they relate to particular uh, security actions that an organization might be might be taking. And then how do those things actually translate into those low-level metrics? Well, and isn't that something that, that is really the responsibility of the security team of of being able to translate all of that into language that the business leaders can understand? Um, uh, y- yes and no. So, so yes, there is a responsibility of the security team. But one of the things that we always say to, with regards to risk management, and you know, this sort of thing we we, we teach in risk management one one nowadays is that you know, uh, cybersecurity risk should be a, a board level concern. Right. And as a result, I think it's very important 
for boards to think about the problem in a strategic fashion and actually highlighting as to what they are trying to achieve with regards to their cybersecurity posture, what is the level of risk that is acceptable, what kind of uh, risks they are trying to mitigate. And then, of course, it's part of the job of the cybersecurity team is to actually implement uh, implement those those strategic directions, but then also be able to then feed back as to how the metrics that they collect align with those strategic level goals. So I think the key here is that this is a this is a two-way relationship. So there has to be top-down strategy setting from all the way from the board level to the C-suite down to to the to the security team and actually throughout an organization as its culture. But then there has to be systematic ways of actually collecting that information and reporting back towards those strategic goals as to whether those strategic goals are being met and whether the risks that the organization was trying to mitigate are being effectively effectively mitigated. Hmm. All right. Well, Professor Awais Rashid, thanks for joining us. And that's the CyberWire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. And for professionals and cybersecurity leaders who want to stay abreast of this rapidly evolving field, sign up for CyberWire Pro. It'll save you time, keep you informed, and it'll keep your hair nice and shiny. Listen for us on your Alexa smart speaker, too. The CyberWire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing CyberWire team is Elliot Peltzman, Peru Prakash, Stefan Vaziri, Kelsey Bond, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI.